Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. Pastor Mike here with Pastor Nick here, the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are, again, in our series called Desiring the Kingdom as we look through the books of First and Second Kings. And we find ourselves this week in Second Kings chapter 4, and as we were looking at the story of the Shunammite woman, and this, uh, the title of this week's message was The Cure for the Curse. And if you missed that sermon, you can go over to whitefieldschurch.com and download it there. And uh, also, all of our uh, study notes are up there as well that we, we put out to our home home groups, home fellowships, whatever you might call them. You can find all of that stuff up there as well. And if you, you know, your favorite podcast uh, platforms, you'll find us there as well. And if you would, please, watching this video, just give us a like, subscribe, Share, you know, this way other people can find uh, this particular topic on on the web when they're searching uh, these ideas and these thoughts about Christ-centered and gospel-centered topics. And so do that if you would for us, please. It really helps us out. But here we are. We find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 4 as we look at the Shunammite woman. And uh, you were going through your introduction of the sermon, and I walked out and Shelby was, and you were talking about basically like if you live long enough, um, if you live long enough, you know, you're just going to lose everything and you just kind of go, went off, you're going to lose your car, you're going to lose your <laughs> money, you're going to lose your friends. You're gonna lose. And I walked out and Shelby was sitting in the commons area because, of course, it was full in here. And, uh, um, and I said, man, this is a depressing sermon. And, uh, you know, and, you know, it was like that is it's depressing to think about, like going through life and basically there's just. You know, is it just kind of life? It's just kind of the struggle and we just kind of, you know, live for those kind of moments that we can kind of hold on to, maybe remember and have, you know, this this was an exciting time. This is an exciting time, you know, but basically just life is uphill. It's a struggle. You know, what what are your thoughts on that particular idea? Yeah. So, I mean, this is something I, I think is... Um is important to do whenever you're introducing a topic is to help people see why the gospel actually gives us real hope. And part of the reason of doing that is helping people understand and not just understand, but feel the heaviness of some of these topics, because this is something we do in our culture. You know, we try to insulate ourselves from feeling bad feelings, but, but it also, when we do that, we, we're not dealing with the reality many times. I mean, if you look at reality of this life, Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it is a little bit depressing. And here's why. Because, um, like I said, as you go on through life, if you live long enough, you'll lose everything. And and you think about this. We work uh, five days a week for what? You work all this time so you can go home and sleep, so you can pay your bills, so that you can afford to have a place to sleep, so that you can go to work, right? So you can can pay off all your debts. And then what? Is Is that all a life is, is just working so you can pay bills and then maybe having some fun on the weekend so that you can like recuperate so you can go back to work. And, and, you know, people might say, you know, all this toil, you know, you struggle so long to raise kids. It's, it's a lot of work. And, and for what, is it just that every now and then you get to have a good moment, you get to have uh, a brief glimpse of something good. You get to climb a mountain and see something beautiful. Um, you know, but you think we, we like to climb mountains, right? So you, you climb for six hours just so you can stand on the top for 20 minutes. Is that really all it is? Like, and, and that's like a metaphor for life, isn't it? And then you got to walk all the way back down, right? So, <laughs> which is oftentimes worse. So, I mean, is that, is that it? Is it just that we're working, toiling just so we can have 
a couple, a handful of, of happy moments. So, you know, and, and the answer to that is, is this, that apart from Christ, yeah, that is the brutal, terrible reality of life. But in Christ, we have so much hope. And here's why. It's been said this way very succinctly, and I think this is absolutely correct. Um, For a person who has the hope of the gospel, the hardships and difficulties of this life are the worst it will ever get for them. But for the person who doesn't have the hope of the gospel, those few brief joyful moments are the best it will ever get for them. So what that means for us in Christ is that um, the... The promise of the gospel is that the difficulties of this life will end and they're momentary, but the joys of this life are actually taste. They're foreshadowings. When you get to see that mountain vista, when you get to see that that baby laugh at you, right? That's something beautiful. And the great promise of the gospel is that's not the end of that thing. That's just a preview of what will be for eternity for those who have the hope of the gospel in Jesus. And that's a very hopeful thing. And it also makes you know that you don't live for those moments. You enjoy those moments, but you enjoy them knowing that they actually point to something bigger and something better that lasts forever, something really real. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me, I think one of your sermons you talk about, you know, it's just basically the shadow of the substance that is to come is what we see here and experience here on earth and uh you know it just it and that's the amazing what is going to be like in in heaven you know but the the joy is that we do have the holy spirit with us here and you know and jesus does still do miracles and work wonders through our lives and there are things that we can grab on say this is beautiful. And you talked about that too. You think you talked about, you know, we were created good, you know, that life is beautiful. And you had some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. So this is a, a constant thing that we need to keep in tension in the Bible. And that is that um, the Bible says that God's creation is good. God created the world and he looked at it and he said, it is good. He created human beings and he looked at them and he said, it is very good. It says that God created them in his own image after his own likeness. He created them, man and woman, he created them. And so what that means is that in creation, we were good. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot, because it's something the Bible talks about a lot, is that creation is fallen, right? That happens very early on in the story. It is the problem, the tension that the Bible uh, shows us and that we, of course, experience. It's the story of our lives. Um, But the other part is that it's not just that the world is fallen. It's not just that other people out there are fallen. It's that we ourselves are fallen. And, and, And we call that the depravity of humanity, right? So um, it's really important, though, that we, we keep these two things in tension. On the one hand, we are created in the good image of God, and we still bear that image. And so this is kind of a, a important theological point, which is that, is the world good? Is the world beautiful? Is life beautiful? Yes, but it is tainted. It is marred. Uh, it's not what it was intended to be, but it still bears many of the markers of what it was originally intended to be, right? It's just something that's been uh, torn or something that's been marred. Uh, In the same way, we still have many aspects of us. In many ways, we still bear the image of God. And that's been a a, a big point of discussion for theologians for the last 2,000, well, more than 2,000 years, 3,500 years of saying, what does it mean that we bear the image of God? Uh, a lot of people say, well, it has to do with the intellect. It has to do with the rationality. It has to do with the will. Uh, other people would say, well, it's the fact that we're created as eternal beings. I think that all of those are good and right answers. Um, 
But what it means, we still bear that image. It's marred within us. And recently I've been reading a lot uh, from uh, Ulrich Zwingli, the Swiss reformer, just some stuff I'm doing for my own studies. And uh, Zwingli had this thing where he said, you know, when you read like in Colossians chapter three about the new man, that we put off the old man and we put on the new man, he said the new man who we become in Christ is essentially the image of God that we still bear, but has been buried, let's say. And it needs to be resurrected. It needs to be brought to new life. It needs to be brought out of the dead and brought to new life. And when when Christ does that work in us, he's essentially restoring the image of God that we continued to bear, but which has been marred, broken. He's restoring it, healing it, uh, resurrecting it. And that is um, something we, we still bear. So as we walk with Christ, we become more and more like him. That is kind of the cleansing, you could say, or the purifying of the image of God within us. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess the next follow-up question would be how can we practically maybe work out, walk that out in a daily application, a daily working out of that, that theological point, that thought of we bear the image of Christ. How, how can our viewers like walk that out in a, in a daily, a daily exercise? Yeah. So Paul talks about that. Colossians chapter three is a great example of that, right? Where he says, put off the old man and put on the new man. He's saying, make a conscious choice as to which one of these you're going to, in any given moment, put off. Like Paul, we just did a baptism yesterday. Paul says that in Romans chapter six, put to death. Therefore, he says it has been put to death, but now that it's been done, now that the the teeth have been taken out of the dog, so to say, right now that it's been done. Now you also make that that willing choice of your own volition that you are going to reckon that old man dead and live in that new life in Christ. And so he says in Colossians three, Take off like your, like your dirty clothes. Take off the old clothes, put on the new clothes. Live into that new person who you have been called to be. And, and then, of course, in Galatians 6, right, he talks about sowing and, and reaping. Are, are you going to, which one are you going to feed? Are you going to feed your flesh or are you going to feed the new man, the spirit? And whatever you do in any given moment with your time, uh, with your focus, with the inputs that you put into your body through media, through the scriptures, etc., you are feeding one of those things and what you feed grows stronger and what you starve grows weaker. Yeah, no, that's a, a, a great way, great application for, for everyone. And, and, you know, just living in the reality of heaven instead of living in the, you know, in the death that we came from, we want to forget forget that, you know, and live in the joy and in the victory of Christ, you know, and that's very important lesson, very important application that we can do putting on, putting on the things of the spirit daily. It's a daily decision and it can be a hard decision sometimes, but I think as you make those decisions, as you talk, you talk many times, it's small steps, you know, we're making small steps. Every day is a small step towards the goal, uh, you know, that Christ has set before us. And so, yeah, so somebody please share with us your thoughts and prayers along these lines. We'd love to uh, talk with you about these things. Um, if you needed to watch or want to watch, you can watch it over here. You can subscribe over here and ring the bell, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless. <laughs>